powerful, and I'm expecting the Lord to do it again. Because we are talking about the need to be unafraid. And there are lots of things to be afraid of. Uh, If you think about it, you can find lots to make us fearful. But the Lord wants to make us faithful, even in spite of those reasons around us. Next Sunday, Pastor Shane is going to bring a message all about how fear kind of makes us super cautious. You know, we play it safe all the time. We never dare anything great for God when we become fearful. And the Lord wants us to break out of that, okay? So come next Sunday ready to, ready to learn and hear and grow. Then the week after that, you know, probably the biggest fear of all, uh, the fear that's underneath all the other fears is the fear of death, the fear of dying, the fear that, you know, all of us are getting older and with age comes ill health and loss of family connections and, and ultimately the end of this life. Uh, they say that really there's a kind of terror in the human soul when we think about that. And as followers of Jesus, it doesn't need to be that way. We're going we're gonna to look, look that square in the eye on Palm Sunday and believe for God to do some amazing things. And the kids are going to sing. How awesome is that? All right? So uh, do not miss Palm Sunday and then Good Friday and then Easter. Today, we're talking about not being afraid when we feel lonely. And the truth of the matter is that we do feel lonely. Sue Bourne is the uh, executive producer and director of a BBC special called The Age of Loneliness. In preparation for that series, uh, she interviewed hundreds and hundreds of people in different stages and ages and discovered that loneliness isn't confined to any one demographic. She said this, we are all a bit scared of loneliness, of being alone and left behind, of not being loved or needed or cared about. Lonely hits a spot of fear in all of us, even though we don't want to admit it. See, there's a reason we don't like to admit it. Uh, To to think that you're lonely is somehow um, that you're a bit of a loser, you know, That, that for some reason you're left out and not included. It creates this awkward discomfort within us. But the truth of the matter is, is that when we face our fears, whatever they are, and bring them to God in faith, He can change us. He can help us. He can heal us. As long as we're in denial about it, and sort of running from it, don't want to face it, then we're stuck. So today I'd like us to walk through the outline that's in the program. And if you fire up version, you can follow along online. Go to events and our church will come up and you can follow the outline there. And the first point is that at some point in life, pretty much all of us will be lonely and we won't like it. And that's life, okay? At some point, we will be lonely and we won't like it. And that's life. And God wants to meet us in those moments and use them for good. God's design is for us not to be alone. I know that because whenever you start a conversation about loneliness, whenever you read a good Christian book on the subject or listen to good Christian teaching, we go right back to Genesis chapter 2. In the story of creation, we see an amazing literary device that I love. I love how beautifully written the Bible is. And in Genesis chapter 1, 
The Bible takes us through every day, each day of creation. And after each day, it says God looked back at the things he made that day. And at the end of each day, looking back on what he's made, God pronounces it good. God created light and separated it from the darkness, and it was good. God created the sky and separated it, the waters from the earth, and it was good. God created dry ground and bodies of water and plant life, and it was good. And after the completion of every day of creation, at the end of chapter 1, it says God looked at everything he had made, and it was very good. But in chapter 2, verse 18, when the sort of the recap of creation, like chapter 1 is the first telling of the story, then chapters 2 and 3 is the second telling, there's something that's not good. It says that after God created the first human, Adam, he looked at Adam and said, it's not good for man to be alone. So, in God's wisdom, he completed his design by creating the second human, human 2.0, woman. The new improved version, right? And it says that, that Adam looked at the woman and said, wow, this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. I'm really glad God didn't want me to be alone. Now, are there any guys here that think God got that right? Any married men who are married to somebody and you say, I'm glad I'm not alone. Okay, now all the smart men in the room were excited about that, okay? That's all I'm saying. And so we see way back in the dawn of creation that the truth of it is that we were not meant to live in isolation. But yet we feel this sort of inner ache, this longing for connection. Loneliness, this is a definition, loneliness is a separation anxiety brought on by the feeling of being disconnected which results in a loss of intimacy and a sense of not belonging. Loneliness is a separation anxiety brought on by the feeling of being disconnected that results in a loss of intimacy and a feeling of not belonging. That's different than solitude. You can be alone and not lonely. In fact, I've discovered that in my walk with God, there are times I need to choose to be alone. Solitude can be a gift. Time deliberately spent listening to God, waiting quietly on Him without the distraction of other competing voices. In fact, it's a spiritual discipline designed to rejuvenate and deepen your walk with God. And, and I hope you find it and, and lean into it and work for it sometime alone. But I'm not talking about the healthy times of loneliness. I'm talking about the times that we just feel disconnected, separated. Some say, well, you know, that happens a lot when you get to older age. You get in the nursing home, you're lonely. You live with no close relatives nearby, you're lonely. But as people who have studied the topic have discovered, there's a lot more people of a lot more ages and stages who are lonely. In fact, some say this is the age of loneliness. To cope with that, to deal with that, means to face it, to be honest about it, to bring it out into the light and let God's light and love heal us and help us. You see, the problem is in a day like ours, we don't have to, we don't have to feel it like we should. We can run from it. We can 
substitute something for it. You start feeling lonely, what do you do? Go to a movie. Eat some haagen Eat more haagen <laughs> Pour yourself a stiff one. And another. And another. Browse the internet. And keep browsing. And browsing. Sometimes till you go to someplace very dark. Hit the mall. Ride a roller coaster. Fire up a fast car. <laughs> Anything to drown it out. To, to numb it out. To hydroplane over the feelings. And when that happens... It never gets dealt with, and it never gets healed. Yeah, you can hop on Facebook. You can surround yourself with other people. You can turn on Netflix. You can take a nap. You can write more email. You can eat another donut. (laughs) But it doesn't heal the hurt, and it doesn't solve the hunger. So loneliness is a reality, and it has a lot of different causes. It doesn't mean you're broken or you're bad. It just means you're human. In the Bible, the wisest man who ever lived, other than Jesus, is King Solomon. And he wrote several books of the Older Testament. One of them is called Ecclesiastes, the the sayings of this wise man. In this book, he looks at his life, his rather amazing life, of, of wealth and power and influence, and he talks about what matters and what doesn't. And he says this, this is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and so depressing. We see that theme over and over. It's meaningless, it's empty, it's vanity. Solomon is reminding us that life is more than work. More than one more paycheck, more than one more um, approval or promotion. There's more to life than all of that. Putting in more hours, closing more deals, cashing more checks, that doesn't solve the problem either. And so he says we should ask the question, what's going on? You know, what, why am I doing this? What is it that's driving me? Those who've Uh, helped us understand the feelings of loneliness and the culture of loneliness we live in, say there's four very specific reasons why we're feeling more and more loneliness these days, or at least many of us are. They're listed there in the program. The first is the breakdown of the family. Uh, These days, 40% of all first marriages end in divorce, sadly. And with divorce comes a a severing of a huge network of relationships. Often kids become estranged from parents and grandparents. Life changes. It's harder to stay connected. The second reason is increased mobility. A hundred years ago, people were born in a town, went to school in that town, got a job in that town, retired in that town, and died in that town. No more. Today, only 24% of Americans will stay in their home community for their entire life. We're less connected, therefore more lonely. They say the average American will move 11 times in, in their lifetime. And once you move away from home, whether it's away to college or to a new city, uh, you start to rebuild all over again. Uh, Nancy and I have moved about seven times in our married lives, and it's been interesting, especially after our long 
um, tenures in churches where we 12, 12 and a half years, and you build a network and you find friends and you do life and then you have to do it all over again. And it's not easy. The third reason is because of the changes in the workplace. We're sort of taking our work beyond the nine to five, right? Not, not too many of us just can confine our work to that space. So there's work after hours or work in the evening or work on the weekends. There's also the fact that we're changing jobs more often. I just heard the other day someone said millennials should plan on changing jobs about every three years. Hmm. And so as a result of all of that, workplaces often provide a place of community and connection. Now less predictable, less sustainable. And then the fourth is the rise of technology. You know, uh, technology can connect you to other people through email and, and, and social media. It's kind of cool to reconnect with friends that you've known years ago in places far away. But it can also become sort of an artificial substitute for real relationships. You know, you can give in to the thought that you really have 3,741 friends. I think that's my latest total. Well, don't kid yourself, Glenn, okay? How many of those are real friends, right? And you put it out there, you know, you're feeling blue or you're having a bad day, and what happens? Somebody sends you a, a hug emoji. How cool is that? Not, you know, I mean, what's the difference between that and a real hug from a real friend? All the difference in the world. And so it can become a place where we sort of run and hide or it, it, there's this artificiality to it. Someone said, it's really not fair that when all your friends post on Facebook, they post their luxury vacations and their gourmet dinners. You post your bad hair day and hamburger helper, right? <laughs> and you come up short by comparison. And so there are all these kind of underlying issues. And most of all, it's the fact that we were meant to be connected with Almighty God. And there's just sort of a sense that we forget that. Sometimes we even don't like that. We just sort of want to be ourselves and on our own and, and do life in our own strength and energy and figure it out and get it done. And, and then there's also the fact that God is a holy God. And we know deep down inside we're not. And so there's this, this distance that God wants to bridge, but we're willing to let sit there. Loneliness also feeds on our fears and insecurities. Uh, Pastor David Jeremiah, a great preacher, in his message entitled, God's Cure for Loneliness, you might want to look it up and listen, talks about how Psalm 142 is one of those Bible passages that sort of uh, tells the truth about us in a powerful way. King David obviously was feeling lonely for whatever reason. And in Psalm 142, it's fairly short. It describes, you know, the problem of feeling isolated, and then he describes how he actually feels. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you, God, who watch over my way. 
in the path where I walk, people, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see, there is no one at my right hand. No one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. Would you read the last phrase with me? No one cares. No one cares for my life. Um, you know, Dr. Jeremiah talks about the fact that David's kind of awfulizing it, catastrophizing it. Is that a word? It is a word, by the way. Catastrophizing it. The thing we do to, to kind of take a bad situation and actually make it worse by obsessing about it. Not only do I feel unloved today, but I'm probably never going to feel loved again. Not only am I feeling kind of friendless now, but I'm never going to have the kind of good friends I really want and need. And it's probably because there's something broken in me and wrong with me. People just don't like me. And once you start telling yourself those messages, once those tapes start playing in your mind, in your spirit, things go from bad to worse. I know. You know, there's kind of that relational awkwardness where where you're trying to do the right thing, when you're trying to build a connection, but you say and do the thing that actually makes it go away. You withdraw into yourself because you're feeling alone and you like it. Or you try too hard. You know, you kind of make up your mind, okay, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to make a friend. I'm going to reach out. But you're too aggressive and you catch people off guard. They pull back and you can tell. When we make those wrong moves and things start feeling sort of wonky inside, we get more, fr- more frustrated, more broken. We feel less lovable. If you sit and soak in your feelings of loneliness, you only become more discouraged and more alone. Loneliness feeds on itself. It's interesting that I know something about that because I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm a pastor. Anybody notice that? Pastors are sort of weird. You know, when you go out on the, I know this because when I go out on the golf course and just pick up with a foursome, I don't always tell them what I do. Now they figure it out by about the fourth hole when I haven't sworn yet. And you know, everybody else is like, oh, bleepity, bleepity, bleep. And then they're like, who are you? What do you do? And then, you know, and then it comes out and they're like, woo, you know. <laughs> like, I know the words, I just don't say them, right? I mean, uh, so as a pastor, it's a little bit challenging, just like it is with many other aspects of life. You know, you, when you find a friend, when you build a friendship, you're usually building on commonality, things you have in common. Well, there aren't a lot of people who think about church life 24-7. And besides, there's sort of this thing about, you know, pastors are supposed to be that notch above and notch better and notch different, and so it can be awkward at times. Um, some people like to put their pastor on a pedestal, and the truth is that some pastors like to live there. There's only one problem. There's not much room on top of a pedestal. And so we deal, I deal, like you deal, with this thing called relational poverty. The sense that I'd, I'd like to be enriched by closer relationships, but I need to be intentional and deliberate about developing them. Two years ago, I joined an 8 a.m. exercise class. 
to lose weight. And I accidentally made friends. And some of them actually come here. For a service, there was quite a group, and I'm sure there's some back there now. Six months ago, Nancy and I started playing this new thing for senior citizens called pickleball. Now, you don't have to be old to play pickleball. It's just, it helps. <laughs> you know, it's kind of been developed for those of us over 50, you know. And so we went to the senior center. You know, when I turned 40, it was a party. When I turned 50, look out. When I turned 60, I had a meltdown. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It was like I couldn't pretend it anymore, right? And so uh, we go hang out with the, with the other 60-year-olds, and, uh, and we found some friends. And we actually brought pickleball back here. We play Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock. You don't have to be over 50, but if you are and you want to come and play, come on. The other day, I went to, back to the senior center, and it was kind of interesting. There were several people who said to me, came over quite quietly, and you play pickleball at your church Tuesday night? Can anybody come? Can anybody come? Yeah, anybody can come. And it's been interesting for me to, to watch this kind of unfold in our lives and to develop this kind of network of people that more people that we know outside of our own local church and then people within our church that we feel a particular closeness to. We're part of a small group. And those people that do life with us, if you're part of a small group, there's a special connection you feel with them. It's a gift from God. And so God doesn't want us to stay stuck in our loneliness. All of us face it. All of us feel it. But we don't want to do the wrong thing. We want to do the right thing with God's help. And before I get to the close and the last point, uh, Nancy suggested the other day that this, uh, well, actually she posted this clip on her Facebook page. Uh, Kathy Lee Gifford has been in the news lately because she was a friend of Billy Graham's. They had a personal connection. And so she was interviewed after his death and did some powerful uh, proclamation of her faith. This is a video she did a couple of years ago. Um, it's called part of a series. You can find it online called I Am Second. And this is the last half of that. Let's watch. On a beautiful Sunday morning, I found my husband passed on to heaven. The look on my husband's face was this. And from that moment on, I had the peace that passes all understanding. He saw Jesus and Jesus took his breath away. My son then came and helped me try to revive him. He had the same peace. We've all had it since. We've had our sad moments of missing him. But you, you don't find somebody under those circumstances and find yourself rejoicing even as you're holding your, your, your dead, that's what they are, your dead loved one. I was rejoicing. My tears were tears of joy. And I couldn't bear to think about, oh, I lost, woe is me, I'm a widow. No, I'm so grateful that, that, that Frank is exactly where he's supposed to be. My biggest struggle at this point in my life is loneliness. I've lost my parents, my husband is, is gone now, and my children live far away from me. I still live in the same big house where we made a gazillion million memories. And there are times when I am overwhelmed by loneliness. 
But I've discovered that if I just keep thinking about what I've lost, I don't pay any attention to what I still have. I don't want to live my life in hopelessness. I've been there. That's a town I've been to, hopelessness. I went to some fundraiser years ago, and I felt this tapping on my back. And I turned around, and it was Paul Newman, and he gets down on one knee, and he takes my hand in both of his, and he kisses it, and then he looks up at me with those unbelievable blue eyes. And I went, okay, now I can die. And he sort of had a little trouble getting up, because he was 80 years old at that point. And he goes, Kathy, I'm 80-some years old, and I still have a pulse. And I remember going to sleep that night and saying, you know what, every single day, if I wake up and I have a pulse, I have a purpose. We live in a copycat world. You're supposed to be you, you, uniquely. That's the first letter of unique, you. And that brings a smile to God's face because he didn't make a mistake with you. Life does beat you down. Loss beats you down. Hardship takes its toll. Illness destroys your body. And Jesus said, it's not gonna be easy. He said, in this world, you will have trouble, but rejoice, take heart. I have overcome the world. And because I have, I will empower you to overcome your world. My joy is non-negotiable. I tell you, that's the beginning of bliss in life. You understand where your joy comes from, and then you protect it with everything in you. I want to be purposeful every day in my life, every moment of it. I'm also getting too old to waste any of it. But all right. God is not the enemy of joy. He is the creator of joy. We got a lot to rejoice about. You want to fly. You want to soar. You want to dream big dreams and see them come true. You need to partner with the right person. Only Jesus, only Jesus. I am Kathy Lee Gifford, and I am second. Wow. Psalm 142 ends like this, the same psalm that was so awful and he's so alone. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Then it ends this way. Then the righteous will gather about me because of your goodness to me. The Christian faith offers a real solution to the psychic ache of an empty soul. That solution is in a connection with God and also with his people. Jesus said that he would build his church. Not a building, not an organization, but a family. A family of people who care about God and care for one another. Some of us can come on Sunday lonely, leave lonely. The church isn't perfect. But we do have the opportunity, with God's help, to find here among this family true soul friends, spiritual friends who will walk with us through life no matter what. I have been blessed, Nancy and I have been blessed to find the kind of forever friends in God's community of faith, in the churches where we've lived and served, where we built deep and lasting 
connections. If you were here Wednesday night, uh, we had an awesome uh, chili cook-off. Did anyone come for chili on Wednesday? Wasn't it good? It was great. God was with us. We heard reports from uh, Pastor Shane's ministry in the Middle East and, and my trip with Colin Consiglio to, uh, to Asia. And I happened to mention during the service, I had just discovered that a longtime friend of mine, a hero of the faith, uh, a woman 104 years old from China named Laura Jones, uh, that I had gotten to meet about 14 years ago, uh, she passed away this past week. And I found that out just before the service. And I don't know why, but it kind of hit me. I, I always loved and admired her. I knew she prayed for me. I gave her my Bible. It's kind of a long story how it happened. But, um, so I came on Wednesday night, and I was a little bit shaky. And as I was getting ready for the service, Colin, who had traveled with me now a couple of different times, we were in the fireside room over here, and he just kind of came over to me. He said, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. It's been kind of an emotionally challenging day. And he just said, well, I love you. I'm here for you, whatever you need. And the thought went through the back of my mind. That's what a friend is like. God wants to do that in all of our lives. And it, it calls for reaching out a hand, letting someone in, spending time doing life together, and watch what God does. If you're not in a small group, we want to do everything we can to help you into one. If you are in one, we want to encourage you and feed that. There's all kinds of ways in the life of our church to meet people, to connect with people. If you see somebody alone here on Sunday, maybe you look around and somebody's got some kind of some tears in their eyes or a troubled look on their face, reach out to them. Um, introduce yourself. Uh, everybody here today is invited to officially be a member of the Hello Welcome Team. You are deputized, all right? And let's, let's love each other. Let's be friends to one another. Let's be family in Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there is that thing that only Jesus can do. I remember years ago thinking about the fact that loneliness, my sense of being alone, is my soul's way of reminding me of how much I need Jesus. It's my soul's way of reminding me how much I need Jesus because here's what I really need. I need somebody who knows me completely, who knows the stupidest, craziest, creepiest stuff I've ever said or done or thought and loves me anyway. I need a friend who's closer than a brother, you know, who will be there when there's nobody else there and I need somebody, and that's Jesus. He loves me, he loves you with an everlasting love. Uh, someone's called an irrational love, uh, an unstoppable love. He loves you so much that he came and gave his life for you, that he died on the cross for you. We're going to remember that here in just a couple of weeks, that he rose from the grave to give you a new life. He is crazy about you, and he needs you to know that, not just in your head, but deep in your soul. 
And so people talk about, well, if I'm going to be like Jesus, I'm going to be a Christian. Do I sort of have to do all these Christian things? You know, do I have to like pray every day and read my Bible and, and come to church on Sunday? It's like to have a friend and be a friend when you're in a relationship with him. It's like, I just want to talk to him. Some people call it prayer. I just want to hear from him. Some people call it reading my Bible. I just want to be able to just tell him how awesome he is. Some people call it worship. And you can do it because you have to and you ought to and it's what Christians do. Or you can do it because you are loved with an everlasting love. And you just want to love him back. So the worship team's going to come. We're going to close. I asked them to share a little more of that song, I Am Not Alone. Because sometimes that's what we all need to know. And so it's my prayer that as we close and as we sing that we will kind of, we will embrace the truth of this down deep inside. And for anybody here today who kind of, you know, especially needed the hearing, Maybe it's just a hard time, an alone time in your life. And you know, you know that God is here for you today, and this is his word for you. Lean in. Let's stand. Let's sing.